Hello and welcome once again to episode 106 of Code Completion. We're a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So it's been uh, one very crazy week, uh, it seems, in the tech sphere. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and ignore most of that to talk about... <laughs> 16 inch ipad rumors because i want to be excited about like technology and stuff and this past week just depressed me so uh let's be excited about stuff uh so yes spencer can you tell us more about these 16 inch uh ipads i believe you had a a term you'd like to coin uh before anyone else does yes just like i am placing my flag down on like the m1 extreme m2 extreme eventually happening for like the uh, the uh Mac Pro, this one's going to be called the iPad Studio. Just calling it now. That makes perfect sense for like a big old, uh, you know, drawing tablet type of thing. Um, I'm I'm assuming that it'll come with some kind of fancy, uh, you know, stand to help you draw on it. Kind of like easel style at a, at a good angle. I don't know. That's my guess. It doesn't say anything about that in the article. But um, this is just a um, a report someone's, you know, familiar with what's going on internally at Apple is, is planning on releasing an, a 16 inch iPad, um, in 2023. So I can't remember. Did they say a Q4 2023? So hot minute, but, uh, so probably, I guess like in the event that they just had just a year later. Um, so I think it'd be interesting. Um, Dimitri just mentioned how uh, he just mentioned pre-show about um, system preferences in macOS Ventura looking pretty crappy, and they they do, but it looks a lot like iOS's settings. So it's like they're getting so close to this weird merger of iOS and macOS, looking and feeling the same things that I wonder if this will run macOS. I don't know, but an interesting idea to, I mean, yeah, the 12.9 inch iPad pro is a chonker, uh, as far as screen size goes, feels humongous. So carrying, I mean, it would just be like carrying a MacBook pro around, I guess with the 16 inch. But yeah, I really can't see Apple like releasing an iPad that you, that doesn't have any built in mechanism to kind of use it anywhere. Um, because like a regular iPad, you can hold it and you can use it, right? Uh, yeah. the 12 is like really pushing it. Uh, 16 would be like near impossible. Like you really don't have like a built-in mechanism of like using this thing. Um, and I'm sure they might get away with, uh, like third-party accessories or first-party ones of like an easel or whatnot, but it really doesn't feel like proper for it to just be like something that's not included with the product because the product is literally unusable. (laughs) Like it would be unusable uh, at that size without anything uh, like this. So um, I'm very curious to see like what they end up doing if they decide to take the easy way out of just saying like, Hey, buy another $300 accessory uh, and you too can use this product. Um, But that, that feels less and less like the Apple we know and love uh, and feels more and more like the Apple that is becoming Apple um so so yeah i'm not too sure where it's going to go in that direction um i know like uh the the makers of astropad and luna display uh they made something really cool uh the this past month called dark board uh and that's basically a giant foam like 
surface, which is probably about 16 inches, or no, much larger than 16 inches, actually. Um, And uh, it has an insert for an 11-inch or a 12-inch iPad. Um, And once you put it in there, it gives you a much larger surface to start using, so that way you can manipulate it without, like, working with this little tiny thing. Um, So I can imagine that if you had, like, a big a big very large ipad that would be even better but you really need more chalk to it at that point you don't want a thin device that you might snap with your knee by accident right uh you want something that's going to be stationary it's not going to move or you want it to to be something that you can move around on your lap or on your uh workspace uh work surface so um yeah it's gonna be very interesting where Apple takes this. Maybe it's not an iPad, like like you said. Maybe it's something that runs macOS proper, and it's not. It's it's something in between. Um, and and we'll just we'll just have to see. Um, maybe it's a it's a it's a display only. It's not like a device. That would be even weirder, uh, cooler yeah, actually. Not weird. necessarily weirder, but much cooler that you can plug it into either a Mac or an iPad now that they supposedly support secondary displays properly right yeah like a truly a portable display that is an interesting idea i'm reminded that um not that i've really seen much about them or if anyone actually uses them but like uh samsung i think makes a chonker of a tablet like probably 16 inches or bigger um so there's like a precedence i suppose for there being that large of tablets Although, you know, no one no one buys Android tablets, but I, I know that they have existed in the past, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be kind of interesting to see where this one goes. Um, if we, you know, like, get multiple USB-C ports or something, multiple Thunderbolt ports or something, that's something that I know that, um, at least in the community around the app I work on on my day job, people would want because they're plugging in, like, um, Thunderbolt SSDs and they're editing externally off of that and they would like to also plug in an external display. So I can see that being, again, another argument for like having it be this hybrid between iOS and macOS where maybe it runs both. I don't know. Yeah, I, it, it it feels like a very unappley like solution to run both, right? They're probably going to mm-hmm. pick one um, yeah, and cool. they'll likely pick iPad uh, OS just because that's where the touchscreen smarts are um, without all the legacy that Mac OS has. But at the same time, like you don't have you have a bunch of legacy that doesn't know how to use a big display properly and all that um, as well. Though you can also make the argument that the pro apps on the iPad like are doing the right thing and they are keeping up with the times, so that's really not an issue. Um, so that that's that's like the the big caveat there. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll have to see, um, on the topic of rumors, do you think we're going to see like Max this year with the M2 in them? Like we got the MacBook Air, right? That was the first one, but are we going to get new MacBook Pros, new Mac Minis, stuff like that? I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see kind of, I think there are a couple things at work. One is like the pandemic shortage of chips that I think is, we're kind of getting over it, but, uh, of course these things need to be done well in advance, you know, months and months and months in advance to be able to get the supply for whatever next product you're going to be releasing. So uh, I would be interested to see if, I mean, to be fair to Apple, they are the number one buyer at 
the chip fab that they um, TSMC. Um, so it would be, you know, if they're like, yes, we're going to get the M2 Pro, M2 Max, whatever, I think it's definitely possible. Um, I guess I'm interested to see what their actual cadence is, if they kind of stick to a yearly release schedule like they have been, uh, like with Intel chips, or if they do 18 months or something like that. I don't know. Uh, for me... Well, yeah, I guess that doesn't really matter. I guess I'll leave it at that. Yeah, it, it. I I think it's it's a little bit awkward for Apple too because they've like set themselves up for such a regular schedule, both in terms of like software, like once a year is brand new software, uh, and they're finally yeah. like pulling away from that. It's no longer like once a year; it's several times a year. You're gonna get big point releases. Um, much like Mac OS was like, hey, here's ten point one, and here's ten point two. Eighteen months later. Um, and that like might work better for Apple to not have such regular releases anymore. Um, and to, to like take some more time polishing stuff, or maybe they have a regular release, which is just like the bare bones kernel system level stuff. Um, and then all the apps come later, um, throughout the year when they're ready. Um, so you get a little preview of them, but then they come out afterwards. Um, but yeah, they really set themselves up in a corner with the, the A series chips at the very least, um, yeah. and on the iPhone where it's like every year there has to be a new one and it's gonna it's gonna come out next year uh, because there's a new iPhone and uh, so far it's been one fast one one uh, iteration one fast one iteration uh, kind of thing so we'll we'll see where it goes but it doesn't seem like that pattern has, is long for this world uh, it seems like we're hitting the wall um, yeah but. Uh, one one thought that I had with regard to all this is maybe Apple has identified that it feels like the A series has gone like too high in their number, uh, like the A sixteen, uh, and maybe they just are looking to uh, relaunch it completely and go with the M series. Like, what if we get an M series iPhone next year? Um, yeah, and uh, maybe this is leading to our, into our next topic a little bit, but uh, Apple. Uh, may or may not be going to USB-C with their phones, um, according to an interview where they may or may not have confirmed anything at all. Um, but uh, if Apple does go to USB-C on their phones, maybe they do it alongside a Thunderbolt transition as well, right? Uh, there's nothing worse than like transferring stuff off your phone, and that's one yes. use that like m- many people have for their port other than charging. Uh, so if you can go at full throttle there then maybe that solves so many more issues as well um and at that point why isn't an a series chip and why not just an m series nano or an m series uh air or whatever they want to marketing speak it right Mm -hmm. yeah that's an interesting idea um i think where i'm at like on a like personal device level is I have the M1 MacBook Air and you know I have my my work um M1 Max computer uh but I aside from the blue color being the thing that wanted me to upgrade to the M2 MacBook Air I didn't feel like there was enough of an uh, an improvement to do it mm-hmm. um it's like the phones now where cool the A15 is 
it's it's so incremental but i just get a new phone because i'm on the upgrade program uh but that's not enough to get me to get a new macbook air every year mm-hmm. because the one i have is like the m1 is still great and it still works awesome so i don't feel any need to do that um i was gonna argue it's a much but, more expensive pr- purchase but it really isn't is it but it's not <laughs> yeah the, the air <laughs> it's is about the same price. cheaper than my phone <laughs> um anyways continue and it's it's no yeah you're good it's like i got the version with eight gigs of ram and it works fine and i it has the slightly upgraded ssd to 500 gigs but that's it it was under a thousand dollars and it works great i use it rarely um because i'm almost always working on my work computer but when i do want to use it even for for coding like it works fine so i don't know i can't justify it myself like a yearly cadence for that but if they did do something like the 18 month cadence where there were if that gave them enough time to make larger improvements to say like tack on two more cores or improve the i don't know the clock speed significantly they never talk about what the exact clock speed is but if there were larger upgrades that would be something that would make me upgrade every 18 months instead of maybe like every two years with those yearly upgrades or something but that's just me mm-hmm. so we'll see no that that makes total sense um moving on to our actual actual topic that we have so uh apple did kind of confirm that they are kind of being forced to go to USB-C, and yeah. uh they may or may not actually like bring this to the iPhone. Uh, all the all the headlines are kind of going crazy, saying that it's confirmed, it's happening. When Apple could do literally anything else, uh, out, just entirely out of spite. Um, so, like, w- how do you think it's going to go? Do you think that they're going to actually follow through uh, with what the headlines think they said and have a USB C iPhone for next year for the 14s slash 15 slash whatever they decide to call it? Um, or is is this the end of the road for ports on phones entirely and we're going entirely to a wireless future? I think Apple would like that. I think they'd like for it to be entirely portless. I don't know if they'll be able to swing it for the next phone. Just again, because things are done so well far in advance that probably on their next phone, if it hasn't been, you know, planned Decided out already. Upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the the article mentions that the Wall Street Journal had an event, uh, I think it was last, yeah, last Tuesday, um, the 22nd or something like that, um, that um, European lawmakers, you know, they ratified uh, uh, whatever, some enforcement of, of making all phones, all smartphones have the USB-C port uh, from 2024. Uh, and then uh, Jaws at Apple said that, quote, Apple will obviously have to comply, uh, adding, we've no choice. So unless, again, they do just pull out the portless iPhone, um, it sounds like it's going to happen from what, uh, I mean, it came from Apple. So... It'd be interesting. I think um, one thing I, I was thinking about was I, I can't remember exactly where I think it was like the last uh, the previous Apple Watch that was released. They had some sort of like wireless uh, transfer interface through 
like the normal, you know, charging port or something like that. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Was that right? Yeah. I, I, was it for the watch or was it just in general? Uh, like it, it was something they were exploring. I don't know. But that would, I mean, you'd have to have something like that where if there was no Wi-Fi, I guess it could use Bluetooth to transfer things to your Mac or you'd need some sort of quote-unquote direct-ish connection to perform like a manual backup or get things off of that with no um, internet connection. So that would like be the only thing with a portless phone would be like, how do they do that in the best way without um, any charging port? Well, well, let's consider what they have now, right? So we have an iPhone with lightning. Um, It is single-sided lightning, so it's limited to USB 2 speeds, um, which is like about 480 megabits per second. Yeah, uh, which it actually can like reasonably do. So that's not that's not really up for debate. However, uh, the phones currently have Wi-Fi six, which uh, is something that can uh, get more than four hundred eighty megabits in like the most ideal conditions. Um, and I assume next year they might have Wi-Fi six E, which allows them to use the six gigahertz range, right. which can go over a gigabit. Um, so there is like a, a wireless future here that can supposedly uh, do these do these much faster transfer speeds uh, if it needed to. Just like over over five G, it can get like two thousand, three thousand megabits um, and get like an insane an insane screenshot. Um, so if you can do that locally uh, over Wi Fi, then that's kind of like the ideal world that you would want, right? Um, so there's that option available to them. They don't have to do it via like some chi uh, superset charging puck uh, thing that does go to a wire. Um, though that said, if anyone who here has ever tried to debug anything over Xcode with um, like with the wireless stuff, it's yeah. fine until you need to pause and then like wait for the debugger to connect. And then wait for the debugger to pull all the local variables and then wait for the debugger to figure anything out because that takes absolutely forever wirelessly. Um, and that is where like this hypothetical ideal future seems to fall apart because that wireless speed is supposedly faster than USB 2, right? Um, but why is it? Why isn't it? So uh, that that's where where like the wireless part may not actually come to fruition and maybe like that puck is more reliably like wireless like it's such a short distance that uh it doesn't need to like do all the air correcting that wi-fi needs to do and the the changing of of channels and stuff like that it can just go ahead and like use a stable connection uh that will always be high fidelity maybe that's something that that will work right um if you were an absolute child uh and you uh, ran a company uh, just the way you wanted to, um, and I'm not talking about Twitter here. Um, <laughs> and uh, you you are in charge of Apple, and you want to spite the EU for what they're doing. What's the most evil way that you can comply uh, and then not not really care at the same time? Yeah, I don't know. Make it USB C 2.0 or something like that. Like make it ultra slow. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this. So so my idea was uh, the European iPhone will not have USB-C. It will not have lightning. It will just have like Qi charging. Uh, and that's just, uh-huh. 
the way things are. Oh. Uh, it does not come with a Qi charger in the box, by the way. This is just yeah, like, right. oh, you have to you have to bring your own cable now uh, because this is the the carve out that was made for wireless charging. Um, so that that's the European market, uh, and then the rest of the world actually gets a USB C iPhone. Like that would be the the <laughs> biggest so way to to really really show it that the laws were right all along, and uh, uh, this is the way that that things should be. Uh, I don't think Apple should do this by any no. means, uh, but if they really wanted to spite the EU, I think that that would be the the path forward if they wanted to truly be a child about it. Yeah. That said, don't some iPhone uh, 14s have a SIM card slot? Like, yeah. So the in, US in some countries. The, so it's like, yeah, the American iPhone does not have a SIM card slot. They're trying to forge ahead with yeah. this eSIM stuff, which. Is actually pretty cool once when it works, um, yes. and you quickly forget about like not needing to deal with the damn SIM card. So that's that's cool. Um, like it, when when these <laughs> sorts of like uh, improvements happen and they work out, they're great. When they don't work out, then they're like horrible, right? A disaster. Um, yeah, but it turns out the the iPhone actually has a spacer <laughs> where the SIM card yeah, uh, slot would go. So it's it's just a difference in casing. Uh, not really in, in internal components. So there's absolutely enough room in there for for a SIM card tray because in Europe, they have a SIM card tray. Um, so may, maybe you have to communicate with your phone via the SIM card tray. Yeah, there you go. That'd be yeah. good. No. But what I was trying to get at is there's like precedent for making like kind of two physically separate mm-hmm. iPhones. So I guess they could do it. I think the dual SIM, like when it first came out, was also separate. Like there was no eSIM for the dual SIM in China or something, so there mm. actually were two SIM cards um, oh. or something wacky like that. I might be getting those details totally wrong though. The USB four version two point spec was just released, or sorry, just published, um, and it can hit one hundred and twenty gigabits per second, which is nuts. Uh, that's that's not um, that's unidirectional. That's one way. Uh, or 80 gigabits bi-directional, which is just stupid fast. Um, I think Thunderbolt 4 kept the uh, USB, or sorry, the Thunderbolt 3 speed of 40 gigabits per second bi-directional, but it was like over a longer distance or something, uh, if I remember Yeah, it, right. it made it work over uh, passive cables. So uh, Thunderbolt okay. 3 was like purely active cable cabling, yeah. uh, and USB 4 started, uh, Thunderbolt 4 started certifying... Uh, passive cabling and it made more things required so the U- the thunderbolt 3 spec was like oh you can have it at 20 gigabits because your computers are slow and can't deal with the full 40 or something um and you can have it op- like optionally support this feature of uh, uh of like doing hubs um but thunderbolt 4 like made it explicit like hey you have to do the hubs or you have to do minimum 20 or ideally 40 um, so I think that's, that's where the difference was. Uh, gotcha. this one works with all the same cabling and all the, all the same plugs. The only difference is that they have like a different way of encoding the signal. Um, and mm. Intel like showed this off a few years ago, actually for Thunderbolt five, which is not a thing anymore. Um, uh, we're just like squarely in USB four version two, right, um, yeah. which is the wonderful naming, uh, that came out once again. Um, and this effectively doubles all four of the lanes from 20 gigabits to 40 gigabits. So you get 
40 and 40 in one direction, so that's 80, and then 40 and 40 in the other direction, so that's another 80. Um, however, because of this, you can configure three lanes to go in one direction and one lane to come back. So you get right. 40 in one direction, but then 120 uh, to your device. Um, and this can allow things like uh, having a uh, really high resolution display, for instance, uh, but also having ports at the back of that display that can right. communicate back to uh, your computer. So uh, in the past, the Thunderbolt 4 version of this, where it's just like, hey, go all in 80 gigabits in one direction, um that that was like a one direction thing there was no no uh talk back to to like support other devices so uh this is what this is explicitly supporting and uh, i am here for this future uh this seems fun yeah i mean usb in general or usb c in general has been great but then when you tack on um again quote unquote thunderbolt but just this high bandwidth um being able to you know have a display just plug in with USB-C is awesome. Um, I mean, you could get into like more niche stuff, like the article mentions, uh, like external GPUs um, and very, very fast SSDs. Um, like external GPUs have been a thing for a while, but you were definitely bandwidth limited with those. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you ended up using like a high uh, power um, or so, yeah, like a high performance GPU, so the the idea that they've i really like that they've kind of like unevenly they let you unevenly split the lanes to 120 but you still get that 40 back which is uh, thunderbolt 4 as it is now one way so mm-hmm. that's yeah super cool all around and really um i think opens up the possibilities and you know for what it's worth for all the kind of whining uh and reluctance that apple has for USB-C, it really is pretty dang nice to have a single port for everything uh mm-hmm. I, I know that i mean it's been a hot minute since apple pioneered that with the first macbook or the the just macbook what was it like 2012 or something mm-hmm. um and we're that finally was a non-thunderbolt getting... device too right that was just a USB-C yeah. device yeah with just the one USB-C port and everyone was freaking out about that it was, 2012, uh, it was 2012, 10 years later, we're finally getting to the point where, uh, yeah, you could realistically have everything, including displays, um, go over USB-C, and it's, like, not a big deal anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I still use dongles. I have a Thunderbolt dock. I have a bunch of USB Type-A port uh, uh, devices, but it's not, I don't, for me, it's not as big of a deal, and just increasing the bandwidth and getting more support for this overall is going to be really cool. So Yeah, I th- I think the t- the turning points were one to make much cheaper cabling, like you no longer yes. need those active cables that are literal computers at each end of the cable yeah. uh just to just to have Thunderbolt. So you no longer need that. Uh you no longer need really expensive licensing from Intel, so you can get you can make Thunderbolt controllers if you like want to without needing to talk with Intel at all. Um, and that is something that will allow more and more manufacturers to want to include it um, into their own uh, systems. So it's n- basically not just Apple building this out anymore. Um, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it can be anyone. Uh, so that was like the second thing. Uh, and then the third thing... Um, I forgot what the third thing is. Uh, but in any case, um, it's, it, it's something that's a lot more open... And available now 
Um, and that's that's what's going to allow. Oh, the third thing that I want to bring up is that you have support for hubs now. Before it was like just point to point. It's a peer to peer network. Um, and now you have the ability to add more connections yes. to that one, uh, which allows you to have that one device with just one plug. You can actually have more stuff come out of it, uh, especially if the plug supports 80 gigabits uh, bidirectionally. Uh, like there's plenty of bandwidth there for all sorts yeah. of needs. Um, though, of course, it's going to take a while for uh, these uh, USB 4 version 2 uh, devices to come out. And how will you know if your device supports USB 4 version 2? Uh, well, thankfully, uh, the USB uh, consortium or, or whatever they like to call themselves. Implementers uh, Forum, I think. Yeah, the Implementers Forum. Uh, they uh, decided that... Uh, their whole naming system stinks, and they needed something that works better. Uh, and therefore, they're just going off of speed now. Uh, so if your thing supports 80 gigabits, it says 80 gigabits on it. If it supports 120 gigabits, it says 120 gigabits on it. Uh, so that's basically how you tell the speed of your thing. Uh, if it supports 40, then it supports all the things that the 40, uh, the, the Thunderbolt 4 standard essentially can do. Um, so you're not allowed to say that unless you support those things. So... Um, I think that's that's probably the hardest of the things to support is the fast speed, and then the the rest are yeah. like checkboxes, um, yeah. based on how the protocol works and everything. So, yeah, I think I think it's it's finally getting to a good place. Yep. When are we gonna get multi-port iPads now? Uh, now that we have Dude, uh, uh Thunderbolt support that is out of this world. It would be amazing. Even two ports would be just killer. Would each of those ports be on opposite sides so you can plug in a, an Apple Pencil on both and just use those handlebars? No! <laughs> With the little tiny Thunderbolt to or Lightning to USB-C dongle in between. Oh, that's so gross, dude. And then they move the camera down because there's not enough room for the, the plug in the camera. So the camera's off-center. It's not even landscape. It's, it's still <laughs> just off-center. Uh, anyway. It's not. They, they put it in the corner. They they put the camera in the top left corner and then it's it's the best of both worlds, right? Forty five degree angle. Yeah, the the sensors at a forty degree angle. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, pass pass Apple. (laughs) Please don't. This week's episode of Code Completion is once again brought to you by Super Easy Timer. Super Easy Timer is a quick and easy to use timer app for your Mac. It's completely text based, so you can type in English what you want. 20 minutes or 5 p.m., hit enter and instantly start a timer. The timer understands English text to create, update, and start a new timer. You can quickly change an active countdown, even while it's still counting down. There are simple keyboard shortcuts to reset or pause, but otherwise, no menus, no sliders, just use English to control your timer. We want to thank Super Easy Timer for sponsoring our show. Search for Super Easy Timer on the Mac App Store today to give it a try. So, uh, Spencer, you have a code completion tip for us today. Uh, and this is something that you were actively uh, struggling with, and then you found a solution, and it was absolutely amazing. So please share. Yes. Uh, so I was working with my favorite, uh, actually least favorite thing in the world, uh, regular expressions uh, in in at work. So the deal was, uh, you know, I'm using regular expressions, and it's not just like a small one. It's like there are multiple capture um, groups that, I mean, it, it was, it's a fairly long, like 20, 
25 plus 20 25 plus character um regular expression and i was like oh this sucks and it, I, I what i'll always do is i'll go to it's like regex101.com you can paste that in and then it will let you you can type whatever you want it will see what uh, parts of the regular expression it uh check it'll work against to make sure that it's all working right and i got thinking that I remember that there was some new stuff from DubDub uh, about reg regular expressions. So um, I, I asked in our chat, I was Googling, I, re I figured there was a DS, or I remember there was a DSL uh, for regular expressions, but I remember there being a specific way to convert it over. Um, mm -hmm. But I couldn't remember if that was like a community thing that someone had made or what. Um, and it turns out what you have to do is uh, you have to be using the right regex literals, which is you have a forward slash, write your regex, then end it, end it with a forward slash. Um, ours were originally in just strings. Uh, so there was a little conversion I had to do, just take out the string literal and put it into a regex literal. But once you do that, you can right click on it and say refactor. And then it says something like generate. Um, oh. Let me, convert let me to regex that. builder right yeah um yeah refactor convert to regex builder um and what that will do is it will take that regex literal that's just like in a single line probably and pull it out into this nice um dsl that uh ios 16 has that is infinitely more readable does the exact same thing so you're not getting you know any benefit that way but you can actually look at the the regular expression and understand what's going on without having to pull it into like another website or another program just to figure out what the hell am i looking at right so that's awesome um ultimately i didn't end up using it right now because uh we support pre-ios 16 and i didn't really feel like writing checks to like availability checks and anyway i commented out and i was like let's remove or let's use this after uh, when iOS 16 is the base um, base uh, version of, of iOS that we support. But it was cool nonetheless to um, make you know my, the code base that I work in a little bit easier to read, both for myself later and for anyone else that happens to have the misfortune of dealing with regular expressions in the future uh, in our code base. <laughs> So that would be my tip. We'll put some a couple links. The one that I used to remember uh, where uh, how to convert it to that regex builder is from QuickBirdStudios.com, and then I think the actual usage of uh, the regular expression DSL. There's a good article on User Love that goes into all of the different, um, like the choice of optionality uh, capture closures that you can use to do more complex things like capture specific parts of that regular expression and pull them out. So it, you could do that before with just the stringified uh, regular expression or the regex, regex literal. Uh, but again, this is just for kind of the situation of making it easier to read through, in my opinion. So that's the tip for the day. Yeah. Um, I, whenever I need to deal with a regex, I always like find one of those websites that deconstructs it visually and gives you like some diagramming and uh some yep. example like worksheets that you can kind of use to see how well it's parsing stuff uh and that all works fine like i find i'm like mm -hmm. oh i understand this 
I don't know how to modify it from that point forward, though. Like, I, I can try to, like, oh, I want to add one more closure here, and no, no, this is not working. Um, like, how do I get this this kind of character again? And then you're, like, searching through that yeah. uh, little documentation viewer it tends to give you. And this is the state of the art of, like, building these things, right? It's not, like, uh, this yeah. is the, the randomest website on, on Earth. Uh, this is literally the best you got. Um, so I am so happy to see Regex, uh, builders be a thing because one, you get like actual code completion, uh, for all the different types of things that you can do with a Regex. Um, and it's all spelled out so you can remember it like a sane person, uh, and have the auto completion, like do the rest of the work for you to actually get it there. Um, and then if you need to make modifications to it, it's very straightforward because you you can literally read what it's doing as it's parsing, yeah. basically. Um, it turns it into like computer uh, programming code rather than like punch card code, uh, which is yeah. what I feel like. Uh, right, I just looked. I just looked it up. They were made in 1951. It's been a hot minute. Yeah, like I feel like they're still using punch cards or something back then. So. Uh, this is, uh, that, that's the, that's the world they lived in. And that was probably like so much better than punch cards. Like I imagine, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they were using punch cards back then. Um, yeah, but it, it certainly feels like it with today's like tooling. Uh, those feel very antiquated. Uh, and even if you get like syntax coloring, it's not like you get auto completion while you're typing them out. So, mm-hmm. um, like just having the regex builder, uh, being able to print that out into a regex or do the vice versa to have a regex and, and print out the regex builder like just that has been like really cool uh, but having tools to actively convert between the two I think uh, that's like the cherry on top of the cake um, and this oh, means yeah. that you can write your own like pattern matching stuff and reuse it right who would have thunk that you don't need to have a parser run every single time you have a regex um, and you can actually do very interesting things at run at build time and compile time uh, to to build things out. So for our mini review corner, uh, we have a new device that finally arrived, um, and that is the iPad Pro. Uh, nice f- uh, fourth generation. We're gonna say fourth nice. generation. The fourth generation eleven inch, which is uh, this guy. Uh, it looks identical, so I'm not gonna bother like showing it on screen. Uh, weighs the same on all that. Uh, the funny things are uh, the camera like bump is so much tinier <laughs> than the iPhone camera bump. Yeah. Dude. Um. So that's a reminder that the iPad camera is not great. Uh, it should be a lot better, but I think they're thinner than phones, right? Yeah. Yeah, which is like a weird thing to think of. Uh, yeah. But anyways, uh, iPads are thinner. Um, they are they weigh a lot less without their giant keyboard case. So that's always a thing to to think about. Um, and I had a chance to try the pencil uh, support, um, which like shows that that little thing in proximity, and it works like a fair distance amount away from the screen. Like it's not right up there. You have a lot of wiggle room there to get comfortable. Um, and uh, on notes at least um it does a fairly good job at like showing you what you're gonna draw um there are some issues i had with it it does not seem to do anything with your tilt until you touch it down um so i'm sure like apps can probably do something with that but notes just didn't oh um notes has a bunch of new tools in ios 16 i thought that was fun i didn't even notice them until i was playing around with this 
Um, and like there's a, a very nice watercolor um, brush uh, that the Notes app now has. And it seems to do color mixing pretty well. Um, and yeah, that, so that, that all works and you can preview the size. Um, and the only like thing I didn't like about it was as you have your pencil hovering there and you see the shape and you change the size, it doesn't change the size of the shape. So you can't like react, uh, like, uh, interactively change it and like see it before you start drawing. Um, so I'm sure that's just a shortcoming that doesn't feel like it's a limitation of the pencil at all. Um, because it's a software that's like doing all this. Um, so that's just like one thing, uh, to consider with all that. But, um, yeah, uh, overall feels much faster, like tremendously faster than, uh, my A12Z, uh, generation iPad. Um, so like a lot of the slownesses that I was, uh, seeing just feel speedier. Um, so not that that was a a slow device by any means, but it still shows like, after a few years, you do still feel the differences of 10%, 10%, 10%. Um, they, they really do stack up in a beneficial way. So uh, thought that was that was really cool. Um, I have not found Stage Manager yet. I'm, I'm kind of putting myself through the... I'm not going to actually look it up. I'm going to try to like land on it by accident. Um, and I did not land on it by accident. So uh, I don't know if this is Apple trying to hide it as best as possible without like forcing people to use it because it's it's a hot mess just like we were mentioning before of how uh system preferences on ventura is a hot mess um and yeah they're they are hot messes uh all around uh so uh i can't say if stage manager is a hot mess yet because i haven't like landed across it i want to i want to be surprised when i eventually do figure that out um i heard that it's a like someone spoiled uh to me that it's a it's like a setting you need to do, but that was on Twitter and I've been like staying clear of Twitter lately. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, as I said, it will happen when it happens. Have, have you used yeah. it yet? I have not. I was going to ask you, have you used it on Mac OS? I, I also don't know how to activate it on Mac OS. Oh, so I have seen... <laughs> if it happens, it's going to happen. <laughs> I have seen the option for Mac OS. And I'm like, I'm not interested. The dock works fine. So, I don't know. It seems I I did have a student that you always you know get the students that will like install beta software. Uh, mm-hmm. Because oh, then you learn very quickly. <laughs> yeah, um, and he was using macOS Ventura beta like months ago, and I saw him using. It. I was like, this doesn't look good on i or on macOS. It just seems like a big version of the dock or minimizing windows so i'm not really interested in it i'll try it sometime but i don't really think it's going to be like a workflow improver by any means i just you know command tab through things and command uh tilde things to to go through different windows in the same app so yeah i i think i am like someone who would like it because i do have stupid amounts of windows open and being able to group them by like topic or what i'm working on uh, makes a whole lot more sense to me than switching spaces. Um, sure. Mostly because, like, you might have some that, like, does dual purpose. Like, would you make a, yet another space for that and, like, not really know where the space is? Um, and then, like, have the window open on the wrong space? It's a big mess. Uh, so, like, I tried use spaces heavily and have since, like, stopped using them entirely. Uh, yeah. So maybe maybe once it, the polish kind of starts 
creeping in for a stage manager, I will it will be something that I like to use. Um, but yeah, it it will be it will be a, a certain amount of time before I dig through this. I'm I'm staring at it now. The new uh, settings app for system preferences uh, on Ventura, which I'm assuming is where the setting is. Um, I, I I spent like a good four minutes looking for network other day dude <laughs> i needed me to too. Like, look or something i'm like yep. where is network i'm like looking through like the sections imagining them as rows in my head uh it was just not working um yep. also this window looks comically small on my like ginormous displays display I, i'm on a 5k right now and it still looks tiny even on my laptop it looks like hilariously small compared to <laughs> what we're gonna deal with oh, what we man. deal with on a daily basis so um yeah. oh you can make it taller i just realized it still seems like it needs more horizontal space, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, this is a, an interesting choice Apple made. So, yeah, maybe maybe macOS is becoming iPadOS, and that's just what's going to end up on the 16-inch iPad. As always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us at Twitter at CodeCompletion to know when new episodes go live, and feel free to tweet at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis, that's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S on Twitter, for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buñol, that's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Uh, in other in blah, blah. in other news, uh, I got a bunch of toys. They're all yeah, all did. here neatly in boxes. Um, Speaking of cables with computers on each side of them, uh, yes. Uh, actually, no. The DACs don't have. I guess the the transducers Does, are are they transducers transceiver. modules? Transceiver. Transceivers. Transceivers. I think transceivers. Yeah. Uh, that I, I know computers. Everyone, I swear. Um. <laughs> uh. I, yeah. I guess those are little computers, right? Yeah. Uh, they they go blinky blinky. Um. <laughs> they they do indeed. They do indeed. Uh, I love how our discussion about like the new uh, USB four standard is like so much faster than all my networking gear that I that I spent quite a lot of money. That's, uh, yeah, um, and that's the nuts thing. They're passive now too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so a time to return all this and go for the 400 gigabit, uh, networking cards. Uh, that'll do. Yeah. The the only problem is that like no computers have like support for that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's like Like, enterprise level stuff, dude. And even if it is, it's like, it's not like you can transfer data off of a computer at those speeds. Like 400 gigabits. Yeah. That's, that's 40 gigabyte or 40 plus gigabytes. That's way faster than an SSD can even spit data mm-hmm. out, even at like PCIe four levels. Yeah, you you levels. basically you basically have direct access to RAM at that point, um, yeah. and you need to write the card to have direct access to RAM. Like Whoa. that that's the, that's the troublesome part. So it's probably going to be a while before like all these things actually come to fruition. For now, it's mostly just high bandwidth just for displays. Uh, because yeah. that's the only thing that can really make use of those speeds. Like even networking, not really. Like yeah, you can kind of, you can kind of get some somewhere close, but you can't you can't max it out. Um, so 
in any case, I got a bunch of gear uh, to at least to 10 gigabitify uh, my home. I got lots of computers, as you can see. Um, and uh, so far, just the one I'm talking to you on and my Mac Studio, which is right over here, um, are the only ones that are 10 gig capable mm-hmm. um, in this house. Uh, but seeing as my brand new iPad has Wi-Fi 6E, that can supposedly go above a gigabit. Um, and seeing as I want to make the 10 gigabit available in more spots in my helm, uh, that's why I wanted to, to go down this route. So uh, I got a bunch of access points uh, for all corners. Um, probably going to set them to low power so they don't like fight over each other. Uh, and every room just has like its dedicated thing. Uh, and then I got a bunch of switches and routers and stuff like that. Um, and those ones will actually be able to talk with like between each other at uh, 25 gigabit, uh, which is a cool number until you like read about Thunderbolt and be sad again. Um, so like that that will be that will be fun to 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 iperf three uh, and then be like cool cool um, <laughs> yeah yep uh, um, I'm just happy to get more than one gigabit uh, that will be that will be nice just for like. The silly things like time machine backups or accessing yep. the NAS and yep. um, having having uh, stuff stream from one corner of the house to the other. Uh, so yeah, it's it's the simple things in life that you get to benefit from these sorts of things. So yeah, and the eventuality of getting fiber to your house. Yeah, which apparently is never going to happen. I called AT and T again, and they're like. Uh, so normally our gigabit fiber plans uh, they trench. They don't they don't hang on poles. Uh, so uh, that was a very sad thing that I learned today. Um, so uh, it may or may not happen. So, uh, so far it's AT&T rep one to one said six to six to 12 months. And the other said, uh, they're going to be ripping up your street if it's going to happen. Um, oh, so, um, yeah, that's <laughs> probably not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, so hopefully this, this at least alleviates some of my networking woes where, uh, all the HomeKit devices are fighting over each other for airtime and then causing the TV to to die. Um, and then we can watch TV like normal people because I refuse to spend money on normal TV like normal people. Cool. Yeah. Bye. All right. See ya.